So a couple original titles for this movie that we're talking about today. Are you ready? I am so ready. Okay. It was filmed with the title Let It Snow. That's terrible. The, <laughs> the film's original title was The Most Wonderful Time. That's worse. <laughs> like, not that Love the Coopers is... It's also a bad title. It's also a bad title. Like, none of these are good titles. No. Like, here's the thing. Do Well, I was going to say, do we think the writer actually gave the final name of the movie, which would be bad because the script is bad. Who wrote it? Steven Rogers. And Did he, he write anything else? Okay, he wrote I, Tanya, What? Which is bonkers. <laughs> I don't like I, Tanya, but like it's a much... You don't like I, Tanya? I don't like I, I played that at 10 p.m. at Carbon Heart <laughs> last night. Um, he also wrote P.S. I Love You, which tracks. And... Yeah, it does track. <laughs> oh my god, Lily. What? He wrote Stepmom. <laughs> You're messing with me. No, I'm not. Wait, can I swear? Yes. You're fully fucking... I'm not. In fairness, there are one, two, three. Wait. Oh my God. Wait. This is actually beautiful. Jesse Nelson, who directed Love the Coopers, is one of the writers on Stepmom. My mind is blown. I don't. Bonkers. Crazy. He also wrote a movie called Hope Floats. Oh, Oh, with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. So that's his filmography. He went through all those. Wow. And then wrote I, Tanya. So. I love how many chances men get in Hollywood. Right. You like a lot of those movies, though. I know. I don't like any of them. I I think P.S. I Love You is one of the worst. You would like Stepmom. It is a great family film. Okay, I like Julia Roberts. I like Susan Susan Sarandon. Also, like a problematic fave. Oh yeah, like personal things. Oh yeah, totally. Um, no, I think I would like it. I've actually never seen Kate and Leopold, which is another one of his screenplays. Wow. Which I've never seen that either, but I just know it's batshit crazy. Right. Well, it's kind of in that weird in between where like. Meg Ryan was still kind of America's sweetheart, but she was kind of moving toward, like... Did you read the recent interview with her? No. I think it was, like, Vanity Fair or something. Ooh. You should look it up. It's, okay. It's interesting. I, I mean, I like Meg Ryan. I like, I like her. I love her. If we can, like, celebrate, like, every time Leonardo DiCaprio works with Martin Scorsese, like, the same credence should be given to, like, every time Meg Ryan worked with Nora Ephron. Yes, like, absolutely. It's, like, just as important, like, a working relationship. Yes, absolutely. I took a class in college that was women in film, but the focus was Nora Ephron and Nancy Myers. And so we, like, studied them, like, as auteurs. Mm-hmm. Um, as they and, should be. Right, exactly. And it was very formative. Mm-hmm. Do you watch Billy Eichner? Not, like, consistently, but I've seen enough clips. and He had Meg Ryan on one time, and he's, like, pulling Meg Ryan around, and he goes up to someone. He goes, hey, remember when movies weren't improv? <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. It's beautiful. I'm shocked that she did Billy on the street. Like I know. <laughs> she doesn't seem like the kind, like, kind of going, like, she does, she just... She's not like an actor. Like yeah. I feel like that's a very like actorly thing to do yeah. is to like do kind of the. She has to be a fan. That's yeah, true. I think so. Yeah. It, it, she must have just been like bored in New York one day. I was gonna say she she's, she seems like somebody who is like very over. I'm sure she might get into this in the mm-hmm. article too. Like she's just very over being. Yeah. A movie star. Like I'm. I know she's still. She like, did the women, which is one of my favorite movies to talk about I've because it's so it. trashy. I've heard it. Yeah. Okay. She was also the narrator in the How I Met Your Dad. Like pilot that never saw the light of day, the one where Greta Gerwig oh. played. Mm-hmm. Talk about Controversial like- opinion: Greta Gerwig shouldn't act in movies. I Ooh. disliked her so much until Lady Bird came out, and really? I saw that she was like a capable director. I couldn't. I I had actually like made a point. I was like, I can't watch any of her movies anymore. Wow, they make me so angry. I completely disagree, but yeah. I'm very glad that Lady Bird brought you around on her. I mean, I, I love her as a as a director. Yeah, I'm so excited for Little Women, but mm-hmm. like, I don't like her movies. Interesting. 
well, good for us. Greta Gerwig <laughs> likes Timothy Chalamet. Clearly. Right. So this is Chasing Chalamet, a bi-weekly podcast where I, Dane McDonald, and a special guest deep dive into the filmography of the Oscar-nominated actor, Timothy Hal Chalamet. And on today's episode, it's Christmas in July, because we are going to talk about Jesse Nelson's 2015 holiday comedy drama, Love the Coopers. Woo woo! <laughs> we'll cover our thoughts, feelings, critiques, praise, maybe lack thereof, <laughs> whatever we want to say about this strange, sort of miraculous little studio comedy, which yes. we'll discuss uh, Timmy's performance, his role in the film, what function does he serve the story, if any function, <laughs> uh, is he cast well, and then on a scale from one to five peaches, we'll together grade the film in different categories, the quality of the film, Timmy's performance, his general attractiveness, and most importantly, his hair. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, I would like to introduce today's guest. She's the host of Movie Trivia at the Davis Theater, which you can attend here in Chicago every Tuesday night at the Carbon Arc Bar. It's Lily Stark. Hey! Hi, Lily. How are Hi, you? Hi, Dane. I'm good. How are you? I'm so excited <laughs> to be talking about this movie with you. I, 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 I tweeted excited. this. It literally felt like Christmas Eve because <laughs> I was so excited to talk about this movie in general. And then also with you because in, I was trying to find ways to like define this. Mm-hmm. And I the best I could come up with was... In getting to know you through attending Trivia at the Davis and just our our general friendship that Mm -hmm. came of that, it became apparent to me that you love these kind of small (laughs) studio comedies that get released, like, in a wide release. Uh-huh. Like, that gonna get a lot of push. Like, you saw Palms in theaters, correct? Yes, I like, did see Palms in theaters, and I did cry. Right. Another Diane Keaton film. Okay. Another script with a lot of issues. Okay. But I, I loved it. I just know you to have an appreciation for, like, these types of movies. And, like, <laughs> I would I, when I say these types of movies, I mean movies that came out in the early to mid-2000s and probably starred, like... What's the Heather Locklear, Hillary Duff, like the perfect man? The perfect man yeah, see, when I, she cat, Hillary Duff invented catfishing. Just so everybody <laughs> knows, when she invented, when she catfished her mom in the Perfect Man. Okay. <laughs> see, and I knew that you like love these kind of movies, and and again, the best thing you come up with is like they are, and, and I, I feel like anything with say this, Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> sure, Jennifer Coolidge is kind of a through line. I'd say Diane Keaton might be. A, Diane do you Keaton love Diane is a Keaton, big, big one. Assuming. I don't know if I love her, but okay. I love a lot of her movies. Okay, fair. Like. Like, I'm thinking, like, because I said so. That movie is so bad, but (laughs) I've seen it a lot. How do you feel about Something's Gotta Give? Is it in your top, Nancy Myers? No. You want to know what I think my number one Nancy Myers film is? What? The Intern. Wow, interesting. I love The Intern. I'm not mad about it, but... Um, No, Something's Gotta Give is, like, fine. I I respect Nancy Myers as a director, Mm -hmm. but I don't... Her movies are too long. Sure. I just get bored. Yeah, they are long. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> My favorite Nancy Myers movie is The Parent Trap. So I... Oh, yeah. I always forget that that's her. Yeah. Well, it's like... I also love Father of the Bride, which is technically a Nancy Myers film, but she didn't direct it. Uh, Baby Boom's fantastic. Okay, I do. I think that's streaming somewhere. I do want to watch it. It is on film. Amazon. Okay, yeah. I, I need to fill out my Nancy Myers my Nancy Myers gap. Bracket. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, like I just, I've, I've gathered from you that you kind whether or not I think you could like stand back and say they're critically kind of artistically good. I think you appreciate yes. these types of movies. Yes. So when I knew I had to talk about Love the Coopers, I was like, I should definitely have Lily on <laughs> because like whether, so kind of the, this branding of me makes me so happy. Yes. I love that 
It's what you project into the world and people pick up on it. I love it. it. I'm so happy. So I'm excited to get into how we both feel. The term that I've coined for it is trashter piece. Yes. Because I think it is... percent. I think it is terrible. But as I said in the intro, like a miraculous way that I was sort of flabbergasted by. We are so on the same page. Good. (laughs) My thoughts on this movie... I think like five minutes in, I wrote, if you told me this was shot in 2009 and written in 2007, I would believe you. 100%. I couldn't, I I was watching it and I was like, this was at the latest 2010, right? Mm -hmm. And then I looked, it was 2015. Yeah. Which is, I think, one of my biggest issues with the film, Mm -hmm. which we can get into. No, get into it. Let's talk. I think the worst storyline, I think, Mm -hmm. is the Olivia Wilde storyline because she is so insufferable and you have to (laughs) you have to work really hard to make olivia wilde unlikable i was gonna say so i thought you're going to say it was the worst because it feels most tonally out of sync with the rest of the movie okay but you still maybe that's true yeah um you but you're completely right like olivia wilde is like insanely likable like she's always really great and they turn her into a conservative Republican nightmare because she says all that like mm-hmm. shitty stuff about Jake Lacey's character. Yeah. And like, it's weird because on one hand I would be her like mm-hmm. in that situation, like right. I would be saying all those things, but like they make her so horrid that like she kind of feels like the villain. Right. And she has this like really fraught relationship with Diane Keaton. Mm-hmm. Like I hated that scene where she's like, I just can't stand the look, the look. I'm like, I don't know. She's mm-hmm. just a, a bad person. Right. She's so unlikable for no reason. Like, I don't understand her trauma that she's like a playwright that peaked when she was young. And yeah, like, like, what is the, I, she's like, I had my best success at like 19 and then that's it. Like, like that's no... her big tragic backstory and like why she's so insecure or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and now she writes for like Pottery Barn magazine or some shit. Like, I don't know. It's, it it's not compelling at no, all. No, no. And, the things that she said about, like, politics didn't necessarily bother me as much that she, like, harped on his being religious. Yeah. I was like, calm down. Yeah. But the thing is, she's right mm-hmm. about a lot of it. Right. But the way she says it is terrible. Right. And she, like, says she says these awful things to him and then still expects for him to just, like, love her. Right. And, like, and ultimately, be charmed by he her. he does. And ultimately he does, and I don't understand. His character is very poorly written. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, and then and and then at the end, because it was released in 2015, they get together at the end. I'm like, dude, in a year he's voting for Trump. Right? Yeah, that's like the the sequel that we don't need and don't exactly. want. Exactly. But... So it's uncom that that's why that storyline makes me so uncomfortable because right. I feel like it's it is very much tone deaf. And I guess we should step back for a second. Yeah. Because Sorry. Into, no, no, no. I love all of that, but it made me realize that we didn't even get into like what the plot of this movie is. <laughs> Um, Is there one? No, there isn't. (laughs) But this movie is essentially about a family coming together at Christmas, which, like, is the plot of many holiday movies. Like, there's nothing groundbreaking or wrong with that. Right. One of the things I was going to say about this movie is because it is, like, a holiday movie and Diane Keaton is in it, I think they were going for, like, the Family Stone vibes. Yes. And I love the Family Stone. Family Stone is fantastic. The Family Stone is incredible. And this movie has none of that charm. Mm -hmm. It has... There are so many distinct interesting characters in the Mm -hmm. family stone that are given character arcs and personalities and flaws and triumphs and like and the relationships make sense 100 like that felt like a family that's one of the things too about this is like it is a movie with almost 20 
named characters, but there isn't a single character trait yes. m- amongst them other than like one word. Okay, Marissa Tomei, you're neurotic. <laughs> Alex Burstein, you're insufferable. Yeah. Olivia Wilde, like you're a liberal bigot. Like I just yeah. like there's just these they're given one tone and yeah. there's it, it there's just nothing else there. Absolutely. So yeah, it's a holiday movie and I knew right away I was in trouble because and this is treated like a reveal. Mm. I knew right away that the fucking dog was the narrator. <laughs> yeah. Because like, it just, I don't know. It just made sense. And then of course, just cause I was like, well, it starts off weirdly with a bunch of shots of dogs. Mm-hmm. Like my first notes are wiener dogs, cute Jewish dog, cute <laughs> town obsessed with Christmas question mark, question mark. There's too many Santas on this transit. Is there, is this an alternate universe? Right. And then Steve Martin dog. <laughs> right. Well, and like it didn't sound like Steve Martin to me at first. So when I like looked it up on IMDb yeah. and I saw it was Steve Martin, I was like, oh my God, yeah. Steve Martin is rags, the dog. <laughs> There's that. Does it, did it, and this kind of alludes to what you were saying about how it felt like it was shot or shot and written in 2010 or earlier. The whole movie kind of feels like a flashback. Like, yeah. cause it has that weird gray blue tone yes. to it. So I kept just feeling like this movie takes place like out of time. Yeah. And wait, is that because the dog is a narrator and dogs are colorblind? Oh God, that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, was that an artistic like choice? Well, like, well, they have they also have these like bizarre like otherworldly elements where like people mm-hmm. will talk directly to the camera or like all of a sudden Marissa Tomei and Diane Keaton are fighting and all of a sudden they're like little girls fighting. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, child actresses. At one point, Timothy Chalamet explodes yes. because he's nervous talking to a girl. But there didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to when those happened. Yes, totally. And mm-hmm. often it would be in line with narration from mm-hmm. Rags. Yep. Yeah, maybe the colors is a decision because like this is through Rags' eyes. But there's scenes that he's not present for. Right, and he's still narrating. Right. Ugh. It's a mess. It's such a beautiful it's, mess. Right, and like there are so many good people in it. That yeah. I was like, what is Jesse Nelson and or Steven Rogers holding over you? Like, it's yeah. the cast is incredible. Yeah. I mean, we're talking like Diane Keaton, John Goodman, Marissa Tomei, like... Anthony the, Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Who's who, given nothing to do. Oh, you mean aside from the fact that he has the line that he's only gay in bed? Oh my god. I screamed. Like, <laughs> like again, again, this movie came out in 2015. 15. And Marissa Tomei is in the backseat seat. Of Anthony Mack. Okay, we, I guess we should table set this. So Marissa Tomei's <laughs> character arc is that she's like neurotic and kleptomaniac. Kleptomaniac, and so she hates her sister. Again, this does. It's not like it doesn't stop the the movie for me, but like Diane Keaton and Marissa Tomei don't read as sisters to no. me. From from, but and they're only they're not in the film together. Anymore. No, not at all until like the end. Which this sh- this shouldn't have been about a single family. No. This should have been, like, it Love sh- Actually. It should have been in, like, Love Actually. Yeah. A it's, thousand it percent. It is weird that they, like, the whole time we know they're a family, but, like, they they try to treat it like that interwoven, like, right. how are they all going to come together? And it's like, well, we know they're just a family. Well, I still, watching it, like, I knew they were all belonged to the same family because mm. of the title, but I didn't know the actual character relationships until, like, late third act. Like, right. I didn't know who was related to who. I thought Marissa Tomei was Olivia Wilde's sister, yep. and then she, like talked about how Olivia Wilde's character said she had a sister who was who died. The dead sister. 
what is that? That never comes back or relates to anything? They mention her name is Lizzie. They mention her like twice. There's a John Goodman, Diane Keaton fight <sighs> where they bring it up. And then Olivia Wilde says something about it. Obviously, it's the easy choice. And I'm not necessarily mad they didn't go here. But like, usually Dead Sister kind of hangs over a whole movie. Like Rachel getting married or something. Right. Oh, 100%. That is a great movie where, like, a dead sibling, that seems so harsh when I say it, right, <laughs> like, hangs no. over the whole movie. Or, again, and it's not a direct through line, but, like, in The Family Stone, mm-hmm. Diane Keaton having cancer hangs over the yes. whole movie in a way that gives it life, but, like, it's not, like, it doesn't pin the movie down. Yes. And so I'd be fine if this character of Lizzie, who's died, was a through line in the movie. But she's not. But she's not. Like, no, it, it becomes, like... When these characters are, like, fighting and shit, it just mm-hmm. becomes, like, a reason to, like, throw a punch in the face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Ed Helms had no connection to that story. No, he didn't mention it one time. That's his sister, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we get too far past it, I just want to say, like, that whole thing where Marissa Tomei was in the back of Anthony Mackie's police car. <sighs> and then she, like, called him out for being gay. And he was like, I'm not gay. I'm just gay in bed. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, my God. Marissa Tomei, Academy Award winner Marissa Tomei, and National Treasure Anthony Mackie. Captain America. The new, our new Captain America are delivering these lines in a studio comedy in 2015. And they're almost selling it because they're that, that was my favorite storyline. Really? Because, well, because I, because I think they're, because I think they're the most charismatic actors and I think they had the most chemistry for the broad outlines of characters they were given. Sure. Um, I just wanted it to go further and it never did. I just, I wished he had more of a function, like Mm -hmm. a Love Actually type of thing where we got to see him beyond his relationship to Marissa Tomei and like functioning as like showing her like how to appreciate her family or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just wish he had a a function of his own. Yeah. Well, I mean, that just speaks to the fact that like every single character in this movie is in a different movie. Like they're all in... And that's not to say, like, yeah, like, if you think of, like, Love Actually, there are variations in what each character is going through, but there is a through line of, like, plot and tone. Mm -hmm. And the tones and the plots are just, like, out the fucking window in this movie. Like, again, coming back to what I said about it being a trash piece, it is so bonkers bad that I kind of appreciate it. And I kind of respect it. Yeah. I might watch it again in December. Yeah. Like, usually, so far in this show, a lot of the movies that we've seen that I don't like, I would not, like, recommend people watch. Like, after Mm -hmm. I watched Interstellar, I was like, no one needs to see Interstellar again. And, like, there are other movies that I'm just like, sure, like, there are reasons. Like, if you are a Timothy Chalamet stan, watch Beautiful Boy. It's fine. Right. But as a movie, I don't feel the need to rewatch it. This is arguably the worst movie I've seen for this podcast, <laughs> but I would we- recommend 100% that people seek it out and watch it. Yeah. Just because it feels like a tiny little trash miracle. It's impossible to talk about this movie and do it justice. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to just see it for yourself in, to understand what we're saying. Right. And go in knowing it's bad. Yeah. But in a way that is just... Fascinating. Fascinating and deserves dissection. Absolutely. Um, Do we just want to take it storyline by storyline? Is that... Yeah, let's just give a few minutes to each. So, Steve Martin as Rags the dog. Yeah, I guess... (laughs) Just... And and this is treated... Like we said, this is treated as a reveal, but a dog narrates the entire movie. Yeah. My new dream is, like, if I ever meet Steve Martin, I'm just gonna be like, oh my god, you're Rags from Love the Coopers! (laughs) Oh my god. I have no idea what you're Yes, he's like. It'll be like Gwyneth Paltrow not. I was about to. I wasn't in Spider Man. (laughs) (laughs) 
That is one of my favorite things. So yeah, no, Steve Martin definitely does not know he was in this movie. Um, Diane Keaton and John Goodman play... The parents. The parents. Okay, this is very interesting. On Wikipedia, which I understand anyone can edit, it says Diane Keaton as Charlotte Cooper, Charlie's grandmother. And Charlie is Timothy Chalamet's character. And apparently <laughs> this Wikipedia page is written by the Timothy Stan community. I was about to say, did you like take an ambient and like forget that you edited the Wikipedia page? I really wish I had. <laughs> but yeah, so Diane Keaton is Charlotte Cooper, John Goodman is Sam Cooper. They are unhappily married but planning a trip to Africa? To save the marriage. As one does. John Goodman really wants to take a trip to Africa because it was like their dream Mm -hmm. forever. But then she got too caught up with raising the kids. (laughs) What a bitch. Like hell in their 30s and 40s. And she can't let go. Right. I have no idea what this movie is about. (laughs) Like them just fighting in every... Like they fight in the grocery store. They fought at the house before like Olivia Wilde and Jake Lacey got there. Mm Mm-hmm. At the end, they're fine because it's Christmas. Like, I honestly think that's what happened. I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, she finally, like, I remember liking some of their fights. Here's the thing. I wrote that this reminded me of the Parenthood TV show, which Mm -hmm. is incredibly frustrating to watch sometimes Mm -hmm. because the characters are all over the place and just yelling at each other constantly. Mm -hmm. But I think that's why it would be appealing for actors to be in it Mm -hmm. because they like it because there's so much talent in this film and because the characters are not well outlined they can bring whatever they like feel sure to the to the scene yeah that's true so like i i saw their scenes fighting as just like two grade a level actors getting to like character play yeah i think that if you told me there is a movie where Diane Keaton and John Goodman play an elderly married couple figuring out their marriage. Mm-hmm. I just want to see that movie. Yeah. Like, I just want to see that. And I understand that if we have to get that movie in the context of, like, a holiday, quote-unquote, anthology-type right. movie. I know it's not anthology, right, but no. parallel stories and what have you. Like, I would accept that, mm-hmm. but, like, I just wish the movie was better. Yeah. No, I agree. Okay, then Alan Arkin plays Bucky, which, okay... So, basically, I did not pick up on the fact that Alan Arkin is Diane Keaton and Marissa Tomei's dad. And he... I I didn't pick up on that for a long time. I was trying to figure out how Amanda Seyfried was related to the family. Right. Bucky's storyline is that he goes to this diner and is in love with one of the waitresses, Ruby. Played by Amanda Seyfried. This storyline makes me so uncomfortable. It is spine-tinglingly horrible. It is so creepy. And again, like... 2015 like i understand that we have come a long way and we still have a long way to go but like why in the fuck would you think that's a good idea right why the fuck is amanda seyfried who i'm guessing is in her early 30s but she still looks exactly the way she did in mean girls so i see her as like 22 forever right and alan arkin who i like i like alan arkin a lot but like it essentially feels like alan arkin's character in little miss sunshine falling in love with Abigail Breslin and Little Miss Sunshine. Like, it feels creepy and it's weird. It's so creepy and weird. It's, so, he goes to his diner every day. He, like, brings her old movies to watch. I don't understand why this relationship couldn't just be platonic, especially because of what happens at the end. 100%. There is no reason. Like, it, it doesn't, like, fill out her character. to Because, ha- like, clearly she has feelings for him, too. It's not, like, a one-sided thing. Like, there's the whole thing where she sees their arguing in the back of the diner. But clearly she has issues with her family. Right. So clearly, like, it's not a healthy thing for her to, like... I just remembered, like, that shot of her arm where, like, it implies that she's like, has cut herself and it's just, like... 
again, th- those little things are thrown at you and then yeah. they're never explored again. Yeah. There's a dead daughter. Amanda Seyfried's character deals with self-harm. Like, And her mother was an abusive alcoholic. Oh, those shots of her like throwing up on her... Cr- like, again, right. that just speaks to the weird tone of this movie is there's like because, weird flashbacks like that. Yeah, there's this flashback to her as a child giving her mom a Christmas present and her mom throwing up on it. But it's so quick that it's almost... You almost think you're supposed to take that as a comedic. Oh, it's played as comedy. It's but totally, it's horrible. Oh, 100%. But, like, we've talked about how, like, weird this movie is, whatever, like, weird blue Instagram filter they put on it. In those flashback <laughs> scenes, that is, like, the sunniest, brightest Christmas that, like, that yes. is a traditional Christmas that you see. Yes. And it's weird because the mom is, like, alcoholic, either passed on the couch or throwing up on gifts. As far as a look goes, it's, like, that's, like, the sunniest it gets. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's weird because then at the end, Ruby ends up falling in love with uh, Ed Helms' character, Hank, who is Bucky's... Grandson. Right. Is he Diane Keaton's brother or her son? I'm fairly certain. So Ed Helms and Alex Burstyn are a divorcing couple. Are a divorcing couple. They are the parents of Timothy Chalamet. And the other weird kids. And the other kids. Yes. Was there more than one? There's Bo. And then wasn't there... Oh, there's that little girl. Who likes to say, you're a dick. And that's funny, I guess. Sure. Comedy. Right. So Ed Helms is Olivia Wilde's brother. They are brother and sister. Okay, yes. So there's only two... So it's Olivia It's Olivia Wilde as Eleanor, Ed Helms as Hank. They are Diane Keaton and John Goodman's kids. Yes. And then June Squibb is Bucky's sister? No. Aunt, aunt no, June Squibb is John Goodman's aunt. Oh my god. Yes. This... There, you can't make sense of... I'm literally looking at... <laughs> you like, can't! Like, like it's... <laughs> wild yeah and then ruby's not related to any of them which is insane because then at the end of the movie she's just at dinner and no one says anything i think they make a throwaway line where like dan diane keaton's like oh dad is coming he's bringing a friend it's probably some like an old colleague or something Mm -hmm. and then amanda seyfried shows up and everyone's like okay but then she starts to fall in love with ed helms amanda seyfried and ed helms end up together yep we're supposed to believe and poor alex borstein is given nothing nothing 100 like but why is she even at dinner right it makes me wonder if like they have recently decided to divorce and this is like the first christmas scent so they're trying to put on a brave face but they don't try to put on a brave face no and if, even a little bit no but if that is the story explain that right you, you can't well because in the beginning of the movie they're in the same house together right like alex burston they're all like it, yeah it that's feels what to I me thought. like they're also living together i thought it was almost like a Diane Keaton, John Goodman dynamic mm-hmm. where they're unhappy, but they're together right? or, or unhappy and separating. Right. They're, we're given no context to wh- what the state of their, other than they just don't like each other. Right. That's all we know. That their marriage is shitty. And right. then, but then later she says something about like, oh, I know you got laid off. Uh, Charlie told me mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And so it's like, wouldn't she, have, if they were living together, wouldn't she have figured that out? So it seems like maybe they aren't living together. I it, it doesn't make any sense. And she has a boyfriend, which is fine. Right. But, like, that seems like when she says that, it's like, because she says, like, oh, I'm, like, meeting my boyfriend's family. Which, you right. know, maybe for someone who's in their, like, teens or 20s, that's a bigger deal. And maybe once you're Alex Burstyn's age, like, you're an adult and you're like, whatever, I can meet whoever's family. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's just treated like it's nothing. Right. Like, it's... So clearly they've been separated for a longer time. And she has a boyfriend she that she's a... telling him about. And spending Christmas with mm-hmm. and... It, and his family with, mm-hmm. I don't. But she's I don't still know. coming to dinner with the co- like again. If there had just been like 
a little line where, you know, Diane Keaton was like, oh yeah, Angie's still coming over so the kids can be with their mom and dad at Christmas. Right. One line would have just like tied that up. Or even Ed Helms would have said that. Isn't there literally a shot where Alex Burstyn is like yelling something and like food is spraying out of her mouth? And then there's a food fight. (laughs) You like, you you have to. It sounds like we're making it up. So it does all these wild. (laughs) We haven't even talked about Timothy Chalamet. No, and we have to because this is a Timothy Chalamet (laughs) podcast. But like, he's so unimportant that I almost can't focus on him. We can start talking about him. But the one, the one other thing I have to say is this movie makes so many bonkers choices at once both so overwrought and lazy. <laughs> but then it like but then at the same time there's literally like a joke where June Squibb farts and they blame it on the dog. Yes. And then she like winks at the dog. Like and then we later find out that the dog is the narrator. Like it just it is it just is so insanely stupid. But like I cannot stress enough that I think everybody should watch I think it. Everyone should watch this movie. I think this should play in rep at Christmas time. Like like this should be this is the holiday version of the room. Like I want to go see this at midnight <laughs> on Christmas Eve with a bunch of like drunk people. I'll work to make that happen. Please, at the Davis. If, if, you could, if, this, if this could screen at the Davis as like a midnight Christmas movie, I will bring everyone I can. But okay, so yes, um, I suppose for a show called Chasing Chalamet, we should get to Timothy Chalamet. So we'll start with his role. And his casting. Um, uh, I wrote down one note, which is just, it's nothing. He gets nothing. Charlie Cooper isn't a role. I mean, it's a, it's not a character. No. I wrote that his character is there functionally to remind everyone of, like, a simpler time of their lives. Because sure. he has his, like, first girlfriend and they, like, are awkward making out all the time. There's even, like, a character that is not relevant at all, like a security guard at the mall. And we get his flashback to, like, all of the important kisses in his life. As he's, like, watching them awkwardly make out. Yeah. Which, it's not even awkward. It's just bad. Like It's, it's just not, bad. Well, it doesn't even look like how awkward kisses between teenagers no. happen. It was, a, it was like, it, it's very broad comedy. In a yeah. movie that, like, again, can't decide if it wants to be broad comedy or, like, real like realistic like like again to go back to family stone i feel like family stone kind of has those moments like where oh jessica uh sarah jessica parker like backed her tree into a car right or but that's realistic christmas chaos exactly it's not like she dropped the strata exactly like Like, it's it's these big comedy moments but they're not they're they're not played broadly they're played really realistically even though it's like a yeah it's a traditional like someone dropped the food someone fucked this up someone Mm -hmm. fucked that up but like in this movie it's played they're they're like projecting to the 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 bleachers like it's like it's like it's a stage play and it's like the people in the back have to understand that timothy chalamet and his love interest are like awkwardly making out so they play it big yeah and it is just weird as fuck yeah it's so it's so weird so his character is there functionally to remind everybody about like simple like love and like joys in life mm-hmm. but he's do- he's not really given any traits no other than being like a moody teenager right it's honestly it's honestly a huge part of his character is that he has acne I said that I liked the I liked that he had acne. Yeah. I liked that a teenager in a in a movie was not like all done up. Yeah. I thought I thought he was well cast in that way. Yeah. But he's just not given much to do. I thought his dancing was charming at the end because yes. this movie ends with a dance sequence because of course it does. Sure. Also, probably what reminded you of Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. 100%. Um. But I I'm a sucker for a studio comedy about like family. Exactly. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I I was charmed at the end where I was like, oh, they're dancing together. Like mm-hmm. life is simple sometimes, you right. guys. Yeah. And um and I thought he like played that well, but he's just 
he's just not given a lot. Right. Which, in 2015, he was still kind of playing those roles. Like, he, right. he hadn't really broke big. He was playing... And there's nothing wrong with that. No. To, like, take a couple, like, smaller teenage roles. It's like how you build a network and yeah. oh, no, get like, your name out there. Yeah. I don't blame any of the actors for taking roles, mm -hmm. but when I see, like, Marissa Tomei and Diane Keaton, mm -hmm. I think, oh my god, you guys are capable of doing much better films. Not yes. Their work is fine. The, you're capable of being in much better films, yeah. whereas I see Timothy Chalamet, and I'm like, of course it makes sense you're in this movie. Yes. You were barely into your career. Yeah. Like, this was totally a role that, like, you probably auditioned for and got really excited about yeah. getting. Because you got to be in a movie with Diane Keaton mm -hmm. and John Goodman and Marissa Tomei and, like, all of these people. Yeah. Like... And Alan Arkin, exactly. like that's a, a young actor's like dream. Of course, of course it makes sense that yeah. he's in it. And it's actually funny. I'm just now remembering it was at the Golden Globes this past January because mm -hmm. obviously like he's blowing up and he was nominated for Beautiful Boy and Alex Burstyn was there for um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel yes. and they were all at the Amazon party because Beautiful Boy is Amazon and right, so Mrs. Right. Maisel. And on his like Instagram story, he was like dancing with Alex Burstyn and was oh. like, she was my mom and loved the Coopers. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. That is really cute. I, I love that. If nothing else that like love the coopers gave us that beautiful moment that's really sweet and i, I just, yeah i enjoy that in in my darkest hour i hope i just think about alex burston and timothy chalamet dancing and honestly i hope i think about june squibb and timothy chalamet dancing yeah at the end of this movie, it was very is, sweet yeah no i it may it doesn't justify anything that's happened no. i wasn't satisfied with any of the character arcs or mm -hmm. like where they ended up it wraps up way too cutely sure but it still made me feel nice yeah no yeah i mean you can't like have all of these actors that we've mentioned dancing in like a hospital lobby and yeah, like be mad Christmas. about it. Right. Like th that is an, that's a great ending. Yeah. And if the movie rose to that occasion, I'd be fine with it. Yeah. Like I keep comparing it to the family stone, which is decidedly more focused. It's more, it's definitely more focused. It's more of a drama than this yes. movie is, but this movie wants to think it's a drama. It could have been a drama. Right. 100% with comedic moments, but instead like, when people say, like, dramedy, it kind of implies, like, 50-50. Mm -hmm. This movie went for 50-50, but instead of, like, towing that line, it just swerved constantly yeah. between the two. Whereas I feel like Family Stone really tiptoes that line very, very well. I agree. And, and the reason I bring it up is because Family Stone ends on a very somber note with mm -hmm. them all at Christmas together without Diane Keaton there. Mm -hmm. And I'm totally fine with this movie not doing that and yeah. having the cute, like, the holiday. Like, at the holiday yeah. when they're all dancing at the end. Yeah. And that, it's fine they went that route. But it doesn't make up for everything that came before, unfortunately. So yeah, you're completely right. He's it, it totally makes sense that he would make this movie, but I don't think he went in going like, oh, like I'm gonna get such bones to chew on here. Like, right? I mean, honestly, like the the ballsiest thing he gets to do is like storm past Diane Keaton and like imagine like storming past Diane Keaton and being like, you're my grandmother and you're annoying, but you're like, oh my god, that's Diane Keaton. Yeah, I would I would fully spend what? How long did it take them to film this? Like three weeks? I would spend three <laughs> weeks storming past Diane Keaton and acting surly. Sure. Let's see. Principal photography began December nineteenth, twenty fourteen. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It looks like it was filmed in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it totally um, it does. It really does. Uh, continued filming January, February. But, like, like, he's not in it a lot. Timothy. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone probably spent about three weeks. Oh, totally. Yeah. He couldn't have been on set for very, very long. So, yeah. Just like Diane Keaton. like no. Or John Goodman. Because it's the anthology, for mm -hmm. lack of a better word. Like, they probably shot the last 30 minutes over the course of a week and then everyone yeah. else filmed like a week of their own shit and then yeah, that was it. Exactly. Okay, so his his performance. He's played Moody Teens before mm -hmm. and just this is the least interesting Moody Teen I've seen him play. 
Uh Um, It's not to say he's bad. Right. I think even though everyone in this movie seems like they're in different movies, it seems like Timothy was told, you are in a broad comedy. You have to, like, you got to sell it to the people in the cheap seats. Mm -hmm. So he does all these, like, bug eyes, and he's, like, tonguing this girl like it's nobody's business. And he's, like, storming around rooms. And I think at one, like, in the movie, I don't think he, like, says, like, fuck off. But he, like, he, like, walks out of that house and he just is, like, so detached and, like, moody and angry. Yeah. And none of it's bad. It's all fine. I just think because I've seen him do this better in movies like Lady Bird or even, even Interstellar where he kind of gets equally nothing to do. I was just more... It's a different character. It's a character in Lady Bird, though. Sure. This is just a trope. Yeah. How do you feel about his His performance? performance, I mean, I... Because of everything you said, I gave it a five out of five. Like, he performs very well at the nothing he's given. Yeah. (laughs) And he's well well cast in it for the time. Yeah. Yeah, there's really... Five out of five peaches. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) Sure. It's unfortunate. But I'm sure you go into any actor's early filmography. Yeah. And they're not, like... I feel like we think about, like, the one that just comes to mind is, like, Lupita Nyong'o debuting in 12 Years a Slave. And it's, mm-hmm. like, she gets not only, like, a role, but, like, the role right. that will define her career right. in a lot of ways. And the reality is, is that's, like, the one in a million. Yes. Whereas, like, most actors who, like, rise to fame mm-hmm. do what Timothy's done, which is play small, thankless roles yeah. in a bunch of movies. And I would say... Really, it wasn't until... Did you see Miss Stevens? No. I think you would really like Miss Stevens. Okay. He's still a supporting character, mm-hmm. but it's like his first, like, he's actually given something to do. Mm-hmm. The only other movie I have not seen of his that came out before Love the Coopers was The Adderall Diaries, but I'm pretty sure he plays, like, the younger mm. char- version of, like, James Franco's character, so yeah. it's like he can't get that much to do. Right. But um, from his run up before Miss Stevens, it was one, two, three, four, five, six movies, and it totally makes sense that he basically plays underwritten roles up until he gets like a really and then it's miss stevens call me by your name hot summer nights which like can vary in degrees of quality but he's still like a lead i'm glad i actually looked up his um filmography because one thing i wanted to bring up with this movie and even though i'm the host of timothy chalamet podcast which implies that i am applauding men for doing the bare minimum i have to say i implies okay it it solidifies (laughs) (laughs) i just like him okay um so this movie is directed by a woman, Jesse Nelson. Timothy, I feel like, seemingly effortlessly works with a lot of female directors, and I mm. really respect that about yeah, him. Yeah, totally. So he, so I, even though I haven't watched it, The Adderall Diaries was directed by a woman, and then this movie was directed by Jesse Nelson, Julia Hart did Miss Stevens, Greta Gerwig did uh, Lady Bird, and he's doing uh, Little Women. And that's it, which, like, I mean, obviously, right. like, I just want women to direct all movies, <laughs> but I think about the fact that, like... I think it's like Tom Cruise has never been in a movie directed by a woman. Mm, I'm pretty yeah. sure Will Smith has never been in a movie directed yeah. by a woman. And like, we don't really like call them out for that. Right. So I, I appreciate that even though he's 23 years old and really like on the cusp of his career, yeah. hopefully going on for decades, he's made it a point to work with like, not just Greta Gerwig, who's like right. a name. Like he's, he's worked with these other female directors who are not necessarily Absolutely. the Sofia Coppola's and the Catherine Bigelow's. It's promise. It gives me hope for young Hollywood that mm-hmm. like, they're thinking about that. Yeah, clearly. Exactly. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like making those decisions because it's not currently, sadly, it's not always like fruitful. Mm-hmm. To, you know no, what I mean? No, it's not. And to it... like be in, love the coopers exactly no it, it, <laughs> but like he's building his career and his skills yeah um in 
more diverse ways, which is fantastic. Yeah. And actually, I was thinking about this today. Um, I know it's, like, inevitable that he will end up in, like, a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie. And, like, I don't want to say I love those franchises. Right. I, I, even though they're rarely, like, my favorite movie. Like, I don't think Avengers Endgame is going to be, like, on my top ten list of the year. Yeah. But I still get excited for those. And, yes. And actually, I made a joke about this on Twitter. One of the things I was hoping for in Spider-Man Far From Home was the reveal that he was playing Harry Osborn. Like, that's what I thought. Like, I was really... That would be really great. Um, But, but yeah, I I know, like, eventually he'll be in a movie like that, and I'm hoping I love it, because, like, I love Disney, and to me, in a Disney movie sounds great. Mm -hmm. But I do appreciate that he is kind of sticking to these... Not always independent, but, like, he doesn't do, like, franchise movies. Like, he... Right. Like, the biggest movie, arguably, that he's done... From decree and not just like kind of blowing up like mm-hmm. coming by your name or Lady Bird is Interstellar. Yeah, and he's not even like a huge part of that movie, right. so it's not like you tie him to that. But then looking like forward, like, honest, I mean, he's doing Dune, which which is a, a big deal because like Denny Villeneuve is like a auteur director who's right. done a lot of big, right. like, but it's it, that Dune isn't like a a Star Wars or it's it's like I know it's like based on a book and it's mm-hmm. a remake, but it feels more it, it's like well, his, it was such a flop. Have yeah. you seen the original Dune? No. Okay, I haven't either. But yeah, no, I appreciate, like, everything he's got coming up is, like, either, like, I know he's doing, like, the Netflix movie about Henry V, and, like, unfortunately, mm-hmm. he's in that Woody Allen movie that we might never see. <sighs> Which one? Uh, it's called A Rainy Day in New York. Of course it is. I mean, I, Woody Allen is complicated because, I mean, obviously. Right. I, actually, Greta, I think it's Greta Gerwig has a really good quote about Woody Allen because she was mm-hmm. in, I think she was in When in Rome. Yeah. And she talks about how she can't, take away from the fact that she was influenced by his movies and that yeah. she worked with him, but she can moving forward, like not support his work. Yeah. And, um, so what I'm hoping happens because it's getting European distribution. It's not mm. getting released here in the States. I'm hoping what happens, it can like leak online and I can watch it online and yeah. not pay for it. And yeah. still talk about it. Um, cause unfortunately like it's like him, Elle Fanning is in it. Jude Law, like all these people that I really like are in it. Yeah. It's just the Woody Allen of it all really. It's tough. Blows. Um, but then he's also doing Little Women we've talked about, and then he's in the Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch, which... I could really see him, like, because he, he's built his career in these smaller roles, and it's some mostly in smaller movies, mm-hmm. I don't think he's right now, like, interested in franchises. No, I, I think he is so. interested in interesting movies mm-hmm. and interesting people to work with. Yeah. So I could see him doing a franchise like movie, but not until like later in his career mm-hmm. after he's like really cash some checks. Sure. And like, because I think that's what happens a lot. Like, yeah. um, like you know, Glenn Close showing up in Guardians of the Galaxy, sure. where you're like, hell yeah, I'll be on set for a day mm-hmm. and like wear a fun wig and <laughs> cash a Marvel check, cash a Marvel check, yeah. like, and more power to him, honestly. Oh, one hundred percent. No, you're right. I'm glad that like it kind of seems like he's recognizing that right now he has where he has power is in this like independent art house, independent like, spirit awards, exactly. Like, like movies that are like, cause, like you know, Little Women. It's a studio movie, right. but it's not It's not a Fast and the Furious. It's right. not a Marvel. Like, it's not guaranteed to make money. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that he's kind of putting his name behind risks in the sense that, like, they're not shoestring budgets with no right. one else on them necessarily, but they're risks for the cultural film environment that we're in now, which is franchise-driven, and mm-hmm. he's staying away from that, yeah. at least in the in – the, 
he'll do like original, like like a Dune. A Dune feels like a franchise movie because it's. But I don't be... think it's going to be. I think it's very like it's a genre film, but yeah. like it's gonna be for fanboys. Yeah, that's which is, true. Like fine. I'm really excited for it. I, I love Denny Villeneuve. Like I love. Mm-hmm. I've really loved all of his movies. I think he's a great filmmaker. I'm excited to see Timmy like in that aesthetic. Yeah. It also seems like maybe he might be like the most beefy, as beefy as he can be. I'm not sure what that look, I guess we'll find out. Um, But yeah, it speaks to the fact that he doesn't get much to do and love the Coopers that we just got to focus for so long on everything (laughs) he's going to be doing. (laughs) So on that note, you jumped into it a little bit, but let's do our 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 ratings. ratings. So we'll start with the movie itself. One to five peaches. Okay. So the movie itself, this is not a reflection of the quality of the film, Mm -hmm. but how much I enjoyed it and think, I'll watch it again. I gave it three and a half peaches. Wow. Okay, I'm glad you caveated because, because I think it's interesting okay. and like and it is a trasher piece. Yes. Thank you for coining that. And you said up top that like this is this is made for me. Yeah. No. Exactly. And Artistically, it- I would give it like maybe one and a half peaches okay it is so unfocused i'm glad you said that because that is my gr- i i'm i'm at one and a half peaches but again we're just coming at it from different angles yes. where you're giving it the curve of enjoyability i'm telling you it's enjoyable but yeah. i'm also telling you it's a one and a half out of five I'm, i will probably make it a drinking game this december please invite me i really want to be part of that we can come Even up if with it's the rules just the two of us fine let's do it yeah, I'm, very, I'm very very excited uh, so then his performance, one to five peaches. Uh, I I think I said it. I gave it five out of five peaches because he, he does, he he does do. his job very well. Sure. I'm going to go ahead and give him a three out of five just because, Fair. like I said, I think on the scale of moody teens we've seen him play, it's my least favorite. And all of the things... I don't like, think that's his fault, though. It isn't his fault. And and I and like we were talking about, I do appreciate that like he has... Act, he, this is the movie where like he feels most like an actual teenager. Yes. And not, you know, like in Lady Bird, he's like the heartthrob. Mm-hmm. And then in Interstellar, he's just kind of like there. the other child. Like, right. You're right. It, it's, it's, nothing, it's nothing on him. It's not the most... Ex- like the most exciting work I think he's done. Mm-hmm. And it's very, like we were saying, it's very indicative of those early kind of breaking in honestly what him dancing with june squibb at the end yes. is is like five out of five like yep. that is beautiful i love he's doing like he i was doing my ratings while i was watching it okay. so like it was like towards the end i was like okay i've got to do the rating yeah. so I, like the thing on my mind when i was when i gave him five out of five was that dance sequence yeah and then at one point i think he's like dancing with like his siblings yeah the characters. It's, it's very, very it's, it's very very cute. sweet he's great at, i mean that's why he has this my podcast he's <laughs> very fucking charming his attractiveness, one to five peaches. I said opt out. I think he was underage when this was shot. And also I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. You, I've let people abstain. I'm uncomfortable. That's fine. We established that this movie was shot December of 2014. He's born in December of 95. So he was... Wait, 90. so we were born at the same time. You're, you're born on Christmas. Christmas 90, Day, 1995. You are two days older than him. That's hilarious. You're both Capricorns. Yes. Uh, yeah, so you were both 18 turning 19 when this movie was shot. That's so, uncomfortable. Yes. so That he, is, like, t- legally it's acceptable, but it's still <laughs> uncomfortable to do this math. Sure, and that's fine. And, and we've we've mentioned this a bit before on the show. It's like when you go back and rewatch... Um, okay, so I'll ask you. what is What is one of those, like... Lily comes into her sexuality movies oh and like who and who was the actor or actress that did it for you I mean it's got to be Hillary Duff sure and so this is a conversation like I've I've had with my friends mm-hmm. where it's like and my girlfriend where she feels very uncomfortable like 
the crushes that you have as a child, yep. you watch them, you watch these movies again and you remember them yep. and like viscerally like remember them. Mm-hmm. But like you're an adult now. Yeah. So it's real. I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but like this, this you still feel weird about it. Well, like this specifically can't be a nostalgic coming into you your sexuality movie. That's true. Because it was <laughs> released in 2015. Right. No, you're totally right. I, the, the reason I bring it up is because I see what you're saying. Like, if, if again, like, so I, how old would I have been in 2014? So I was 22. At 22, I wouldn't have wanted to date an 18 year old. Right. But I feel okay talking about his attractiveness because he was 18 and okay. I was 20. No, like, that's fair. I, I think I brought this it's up. It's just the mental gymnastics of it that I yeah. also find uncomfortable. Sure. Like, sure, how sure, do sure. I make this okay? And it doesn't help <laughs> Which that... It's not to say I don't do that. No, no, totally. But he also appears very youthful. Mm-hmm. It is not... And again, like, it's not to say that if he appeared older than he was and he was underage, it would be okay. Mm-hmm. It becomes harder to grapple with the younger they and he's, seem. And he's playing younger. That's true. He's playing like a 15, 16 year old. Yeah. yeah you're totally right. I guess on that, I would give him another three for mm-hmm. attractiveness. I think he, again, I, I like that he is playing a different kind of teenager, even though mm-hmm. this isn't my, like I said, his favorite teenage performance. I like that this is kind of a different take on it than mm-hmm. he did before. Um, with attractiveness, attractiveness for me, and again, like, I love that this is kind of speaking to how different people come at the grading. Like, because with the movie, you were coming at it with how it made you feel, and I was being a bit more objective, objective. critically. But at the end of the day, like, we have the same agreement. Right. With attractiveness, what I've found is that some people let character play into it. Mm. Some people strictly base it off of just how he looked. I'm a bit of, of both. Mm-hmm. Like, I talk about a lot how with Lady Bird, even though that character is a dick, I have to acknowledge that that type of personality unfortunately works for me. Yeah. And that is something that me and my therapist are dealing with. Um, but that, like, plays into giving that, like, a five out of five on attractiveness. Yeah. And the hair, obviously. Yeah. But with this, because it's just kind of moody nothing. teen and nothing, I, it dips it. It's not going to yeah. be, like, big for me. And you're right. He's very much, like, playing a high schooler. But he he's still cute and adorable. Yeah. And, you know, he's still frail and dark haired which is half the battle for me so i will say his physicality and like the way he acted reminded me and just like the the clothing Mm -hmm. reminded me of like the boys i dated in high school so like i understood this like kind of faux punk like vibe Mm -hmm. was attracted to Mm -hmm. attractive to me then right so i probably would have thought he was cute if you asked me when i was 16 i was gonna say like do you find him attractive in general and I actually, I ask that because I find him to be very androgynous. Yes. So I kind of get the feeling from well, I, the I, internet that like people of all genders and sexualities find him attractive right. for these reasons. And I can objectively assess someone's attractiveness. Oh, sure. Many men are attractive. Right. Um, that doesn't mean I'm attracted to them. Exactly. Like, I guess mm-hmm. he's just so pasty. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, it is not a requirement to be on the show that you have to find him as attractive right. as I find. If, if anything, I appreciate <laughs> the balance. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I I understand like why you find him attractive, mm-hmm. but like I, that whole vibe just like doesn't really work sure. for me. I only ask. I love because, his style. Yes, yeah, he's I got great style. I love his style. Yeah, I only ask because you mentioned when you dated men in high school, mm-hmm. even though you are not attracted to men. Mm-hmm. The and, and I and I wanted to bring up the androgyny because actually I think there was a quote. Um, I think it was Vanity Fair that just dropped all like the Little Women photos mm-hmm. and coverage, and Greta Gerwig specifically talked about how both Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet 
have this androgynous feel to them. Yeah. And that he's playing a character named Lori, which is like a female name. And yeah. she's playing a character named Joe, which is a traditionally male name. Yeah. So they kind of have this androgynous gender fluidity yeah. between the two of them. I like that. And I think that kind of what you were speaking to about like young Hollywood now, we're moving into this place where like everyone is becoming I don't want to say aware. more androgynous, but right, like it's it, Timothy can wear a floral suit on a red carpet, yeah, and and I don't, and you know, the, the or I'm pl- thinking of that like white, almost like dashiki thing that he wore to the Independent mm-hmm. Spirit Awards that had like the little like tag on yeah, the side. Yeah, I don't know, it, like it was just cool. Like yeah. he seems cool. Yeah, no, definitely, and that, and again, that even though he is physically my type, yeah. Th- that personality is like w- the kicker for me. Like right. I, if he just looked like that and then he acted like fucking Justin Bieber, right. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be my vibe. Right. But like, because he seems so just like happy to be wherever he is and kind of just like fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, obviously, you know, what, yeah. what brings it around. Um, speaking of things that he just effortlessly does so well in his real life is his hair. Uh, what was your grade one to five peaches on his hair? It cut off, but I think I gave it a three out of five because it worked for the character, but yeah. I do like the longer, curlier. Sure. It's shorter in this movie than it n- normally is. I, yes. And it was unkempt, mm-hmm. but I prefer it long and unkempt right. for him. Yes. No. And, and again, that's been something we found like a lot of people have trouble grading the hair because they've seen what it can do when it's like long and luscious and beautiful. And like, I'm on the same, like I, I would say I'm like at a two and a half for the hair here. You're right. It works for the care. Like it's the same hair as interstellar. Mm -hmm. It's the same hair that he did early in his career where it was shorter, um, and much more like high school haircut. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, that is the character. So I don't fault the hair, but objectively I know what it's capable of. Yeah. And this ain't it. So yeah. Well, Lily, thank you for so much for being on Chasing Salome. Thank Chalamet. you for having me. Of course. I don't know if we did this movie justice <laughs> or if it's possible to do this movie justice. Yeah, I really, like I said, <laughs> I really hope that whatever we said on this podcast, I really, and I believe Lily does as well, she can co-sign herself. Please see this movie. Like, See it. Like, Watch it. Yeah. There are a lot of movies don't we've talked about. Don't, yeah. I, well, oh, yeah, I did pay for it. <laughs> I, you know what? If we are sending some royalty checks... To Marissa Tomei and Diane Keaton. Yeah. I'm fine with that. If our royalties for watching this movie helped Olivia Wilde fund Booksmart, I'm okay with that. If anything, like, I hope that the the, the accountants at Amazon were like, why are these two people in Chicago (laughs) renting Love the Coopers in July? What's happening? (laughs) Like, I want, like, you know. If you're, like, in a used, like, DVD place and see it for 50 cents, buy it. Oh, yeah. I would pay 50 cents to own this movie. Yeah. 100%. Um, just to say that I owned Love the Coopers. Yeah. Remember when... <laughs> That's uh, a personality trait, right? right? Remember when uh, Netflix, like, called out... They were, like, one person watched, like, A Prince yes. for Christmas, like, 37 times yes. in 20 days. Like, who hurt you? Like, I want Amazon Prime <laughs> to be, like, the two people in Chicago who rented Love the Coopers, what happened? Or they should just send us a private email, like, yeah. I'm worried about you. My name is Jamie. I work at Amazon. I'm off the clock, but I can't yeah. stop thinking about this. Right. That's the beginning of our rom-com. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I want it. Lily, if uh, you so desire for people to find you on the internet, where can they find you? Um, You can request to follow me on Instagram at starkly twirling Lily. And if you're cute, I might accept. Cute. Love that for you. <laughs> 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dane McDonald. The show is on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, it is Chalamet Chasing, and on Instagram, it is Chasing Chalamet. You can email us at chasingchalamet at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And please share this podcast with your friends, your family. Um, hi, Mom. Hi, hi, Lily's Mom. Hi, <laughs> is Copeland going to listen? Probably not. Probably not? Okay. Well, if she is, hi, Copeland. Um <laughs> Yeah, share it with anybody that you would like to like to uh, invite into the Chasing Chalamet family. We would love to have you. Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com. Deal is spelled D-E-A-H-L. And until next time, later. Bye.